think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Rhodes? Where we're going, we don't need Rhodes. I am your father. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. You're listening to After the Ending, the only film podcast where we tell you what happens after the ending of your favorite films. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Spring and Phil Edwards. Hello, everybody, and welcome to After the Ending. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And we are back for a mirth-filled episode of, well, mirth, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Merriments. Mirth, merriments, and monkeys. There you go. Mirth, merriment, and monkeys. I like that. If we named our episodes, that would be the name of this episode. So, Or, even better, somebody could put it on a t-shirt, which is something we've talked about recently with some t-shirt signs, right? Mirth, merriment, after the ending. Mirth, merriment, and monkeys. Although then people might think we talk about monkeys a lot on this show, which we don't. Uh, so maybe not. But still, that's yeah. what we're going to talk about tonight. Yes, the reason yeah, monkeys have been mentioned is our top five. This, this episode is going to be top five monkey movies. Yes, and I, I feel like I have to explain where that came from. Yes, probably. Uh, so I was watching a movie with monkeys in it, and I was very, very impressed by the monkeys in this particular movie. I won't say which one yet because it's on my list. Um, but I was really impressed by it, and it dawned on me there's a lot of movies with monkeys in them, right? There are tons and tons of movies with monkeys in them. So I said to Phil, hey, we should do a top five monkey movies list. And Phil said, yeah, that's a great idea. And then we got in our own heads a little bit and started yeah. making up all these rules, right? So I first started by saying no Planet of the Apes movies, right? Because that's like its own list. We could do our top five Planet of the Apes movies because there's been, what, nine total so far? Yeah, yeah. So we said no Planet of the Apes movies. And then we were like, well, you can't really include King Kong because there's too many King Kong movies. That's its own list also. And that's kind of the granddaddy of them all. And then we were like, what about like men in ape suits? So we finally dialed it down to just real monkeys in movies. Yeah. And then I realized I don't like monkeys very much um, at all. I never have. I do not find them cute or adorable or charming like most people do. I kind of hate monkeys in a way. So what I realized was with only the live action monkey movies left, I did not have a lot of choices because I usually avoid those types of movies. Yeah. Um, your, your, your Dunstan checks in and your Eds and things like that. I don't watch those movies because I hate monkeys. Uh, now, ironically, I'm a big fan of The Monkeys, the 60s pop group, huge fan of them. Uh, big monster fan of The Monkeys. Love The Monkeys, don't like monkeys. But by then it was too late. And that's what we're doing. Top five monkey movies. Yeah, so we, we started off, we had this big idea. Yeah, which was epic, and there was so many to choose from. Then it just got whittled down to a few. Yeah, we can't even include the monkeys film head because you know they're not right. They're not the monkeys that we decided to have for this list. And we're about to pick the list, as Mike said, he's the one who did it. So we could do whatever we want. But as you said, we we got in our own heads and we scuppered it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's still a good list, I think. I think I think it'll still be a good list from us. But I, I did want to let you guys know sort of the thought process went behind it. Sometimes we do overthink these things a little bit. So yeah. um, maybe we'll do another monkey movie list without real monkeys, like fake monkeys. And that'll be a different uh, a different list. But anyway, that's what we're doing. Top five <laughs> monkey movies. So basically, Yay. yeah, hooray. Uh, my criteria, Phil, I don't know about yours. My criteria was this. Um, originally my criteria was it had to be a movie about monkeys and then I realized I just haven't seen enough of those to make a top five list so then I changed it a little bit to it has to at least feature monkeys in a pretty large 
part of the movie, right? It doesn't have to be about monkeys per se, but it couldn't be like, oh, there's only a monkey in one scene or this or that. It had to be kind of at least a focal point of some part of the movie, uh, big enough that you could say, hey, this is a movie with monkeys or about monkeys or dealing with monkeys or has some monkeys in it that are, you know, it's more than just, hey, they're at the zoo and there's a monkey in a cage. That doesn't count. Yeah, yeah. That, that's kind of like what I was going with as well. Okay. All right. <laughs> awesome. This is going to be a great list. I just watched our viewers like plummet. The people are like, yeah. I'm going to watch this monkey so list. So if, if you're watching or listening, make sure you've got a notepad and pen to make a list for all these films that you want to go see. Well, actually, though, Absolutely. Yeah. Especially if you're like me and you just love monkeys. Anyway, well, next time. That's what future episodes are <laughs> for. Better lists. Top five, fil top five films with no monkeys whatsoever. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, all right, so let's get into the list, shall we? Yes, let's do it. Do you want to go first? Sure. So my number five is actually sort of like an honorary uh, choice, okay? And what I chose was the Tarzan franchise, specifically the old black and white movies from the 1930s. That's my number five as well. Really? That's yeah. fine. Because I here's why I picked the whole franchise. For one, I couldn't really remember which ones I've seen and which ones I haven't seen. There's so many of them. But as a kid, I watched a lot of Tarzan movies on TV. And Cheetah, of course, Cheetah the Ape, was a big part of them. And as a kid, I always liked those movies. And, and Cheetah was kind of a main character. And as a kid, I think I liked Cheetah. I don't really like monkeys anymore. But as a kid, I was okay with it. So I thought, you got to kind of pay tribute because I think really – Tarzan, the ape man is his name, you know, his, his, his relationship with Cheetah, the, the, the chimpanzee, uh, was kind of the precursor for a lot of these other movies that would come on our lists. Right. So that's why I picked it. How about you? That's, that's the same thing. I mean, I'd say there was so many of them. I, I particularly went with the Johnny uh, Weissmuller of Weissmuller. Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember like you when I was a kid, they used to be on uh, BBC two, used to watch them with my grandparents, mom and dad, they just, you know, the adventure, there's lots of different animals in, mm -hmm. uh, Johnny Weissmore also was uh, swimming, won lots of medals for swimming. But yeah, yeah I remember Cheetah was, he's the def he's the one. When you think yeah. of like monkeys and films, you know, Cheetah, it's the one. Yeah. It's the yeah. one that always comes up. But there's been various um, Tarzan movies uh, all through the years, animated ones and everything. But we're going with live action Cheetah because they did use the chimpanzee. Well, he probably used a lot of chimpanzees, apparently. But right, they right. don't want to go into what they did back in the 30s. But uh, yes, that's uh, that's why it was in my. My number five, not particular Tarzan film, because like you, I can't differentiate between any of them, but I think right. there's an awful lot. There was a lot of them. Yeah, it was very popular back then. So. Interestingly, though, he also, as well as doing the Tarzan films, after that, he uh, he went on to play the lead in the film Jungle Gym, yeah. which had another 16 Jungle Gym movies over the years, as well as 26 episodes of a Jungle Gym TV series. So Johnny did like his, uh, his Jungle <laughs> Stuff. Apparently so. Or at least the studios liked casting him in those types of roles. Yes, yes. So, all right. Well, all right. We have a we have a, a bingo for our number five. Let's see if there is some uh I'm gonna guess there's probably a few variations from here. Uh my number four then is Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back from 2001, uh directed yeah. by Kevin Smith. Um and and it, this one, you know, is not an obvious choice because you don't think about it, but they spend a large portion of the movie with this monkey Amy, right? It's an orangutan named Amy. Um, that they because there's a whole subplot in the movie about this animal liberation front sort of using silent jay and silent bob and they get kind of wrapped up in these groups of these girls but they're really thieves diamond thieves 
but they end up going kind of on the run with Amy the orangutan, um, and she is in a big chunk of the movie. And so I, uh, I it's not really a monkey movie, but it is. It does fit my criteria, um, and I'm a big Kevin Smith fan. Uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back isn't my favorite of his movies, but I do find it enjoyable. It is pretty funny still overall, um, even with a monkey in it. So uh, that is my number four choice. Uh, good pick. It almost made my list, but not quite. But uh, I'm glad it made yours. Cool. Okay, my number four is a film from 1971, Walt Disney film, starring a, a young Kurt Russell, and it is The Barefoot Executive, which I remember watching a long time ago. I went through a phase watching, because if some of you don't know Kurt Russell, who was in one of my favorite film of all time, The Thing, he was also, he was a child actor who actually carried it on mm -hmm. and managed to make good. Not all child actors do, but Kurt Russell did. He made a ton of films with uh, Disney, mm -hmm. and I watched a few of them, but The Barefoot Executive is a is a pretty good one. I mean, all, all actually, they're not too bad. They're of the time, but they're pretty good. But this one, he plays a television network, a young mailroom guy from the mailroom who finds out that this chimpanzee called Raffles, when he shows a TV, new TV shows, either claps when they like them or blows raspberries if they don't. And so Raffles the monkey basically chooses what we all watch on TV and is a big success, a big hit. But there's lots of uh, comedy moments involving the chimpanzee, Kate Russell trying to hide the chimpanzee and things like that. It's a funny film, made me laugh when I was a kid. Kate Russell wasn't quite cool there as he as he grew up to be, but it's uh, Raffles. Was it Raffles? Yeah. Raffles was a big part of the film, was the whole hinges on Raffles and did a good job in it. And that's my number four. Uh, good choice. I think that definitely qualifies as a monkey. Like, that's a movie about a monkey, basically. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, uh, in, in a way. So, um, you know, that's the, that was one I considered. The reason it didn't make my list is I was not positive I've seen it. Like, I feel like when I was a kid, because I watched a lot of those Disney movies, I probably saw it, but I couldn't. I couldn't remember having actually watched it, and I really try not to put movies on my list unless I'm sure I've seen them. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I did have to leave it off, but I did consider it. It was one that I thought about. So, all right, good choice. Um, okay, so my number three is A Night at the Museum from 2006, starring Ben Stiller and Robin Williams, a bunch of other people. Um, so once again, not a full-on monkey movie, but the capuchin monkey that's in it with Ben Stiller plays a pretty big role in the movie. I mean, it's kind of yeah. like Ben Stiller's sidekick throughout the whole film. Um, they get into like a slap fight. He like gets in a lot of trouble. He's running all over the place. Like uh, definitely a big, big part of the movie. And I really enjoy the first um, Night at the Museum. It, it's it's a, a good kind of family film. Very, yeah, yeah, I you know, agree. I uh, it. It's funny. It has some good special effects, has some good action sequences. You know, it's, it's a very charming, likable film. Uh, it's nothing super you know, challenging. Um, it's not like a masterpiece, but it's a fun movie. Uh, so I think it qualifies. That's my number three, Night at the Museum. Good pick as well. And this, I think it was the same monkey came back for the other Night at the Museum ones as well, but wasn't kind of... The part wasn't as big in the in the subsequent ones. Right. The film was good, the sequels. Right. But, uh, okay, my number... Which one are we up to? My number three is uh, from 20... No, wrong one. It's... Uh, I have the wrong thing up here. Hold on. It is a film called Project X. I'm not the 2012 film, which I got up here. It is the one from 1987 starring Matthew Broderick and Helen Hunt. And it involves a, a chimpanzee named Virgil being used, being trained to do sign language, but ends up being used uh, to pilot aircraft for the Air Force. And Matthew Broderick and Helen Hunt end up uh, helping the chimps, uh, the other chimps as well, all escape and get them up because they're being tested on and they're going to be terrible experiments are going to be done to them, you know, dissection, things like that. But it's it was a good film. It was, it was like a, a glut of these films in the uh, the late 80s, which all seemed to be involving technology and some using animals and, and people 
you know, shady scientists and shady governments kind of things going on. But I was like Matthew Broderick, and this this was a this was a pretty good one, kind of funny. It wasn't what wasn't the great films of the eighties, but it's uh, I remember enjoying it at the time. I saw it probably early two thousands as well. It's still doesn't quite hold up, but it's a solid kind of comedy drama and probably one which could could be remade to be honest uh kind of few of the 80s films could do with an update remake but uh that's my number three very good choice and i'm going to speaking of animals i have to let mine out because she's being a pest i already hang on a second hey and as mike said it's not a monkey that he let out yes, no. that is my dog so um okay well my number two is your number three film it is project x and it go. is the film that i was referring to so i just watched project x about two weeks ago okay uh, cool actually so wh when it came out i i saw it because of course it was like the first film matthew broderick did after ferris bueller's day off and ferris bueller is one of my favorite movies of all time i think it was number five or six on my list of top 20 movies of all time um and it's funny rewatching it now it is a little bit like if ferris bueller like got in trouble at school and they ended up like shipping off to the military <laughs> company. Oh, the yeah, very yeah. first scene in the film he's got his hair all done up and he's like talking about stealing a jet to impress a girl and you're kind of like hmm little bit of Ferris Bueller here. And then it kind of calms down a little bit from there with that stuff. But I definitely think they're trying to tap into that. Um, but I, I remember watching as a kid. I loved it as a kid. And in my head, of course, it was a much bigger hit than it really was. Yeah. Uh, although I do think that people in my age group at the time all went to go see it. So I think all my friends were talking about it, which made it kind of a hit to us. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But I remember loving it. And I have not seen it since then. Not even once. So I, it was on one of the, I think it's on HBO Max. So I watched it a couple of weeks ago. Um, and what what this is the reason it made me think of the monkey movies is because again, if somebody doesn't like monkeys, the the chimps in that movie, um, especially the main chimp Virgil, it, it's the it's an incredible performance from him. Uh, I remember a while ago we did our top five animal performances list, like the best animal actors. Yeah, yeah. And if I had seen this movie more recently since then, I, it would have been my probably my, my number one. The things they have this chimp do, this virtual chimp do, are really impressive. Not just in terms of like the sign language and stuff like that, but just like the emotion in his face and stuff. It's, it's really impressive actually. Um, and that's what made me think, hey, we should do a top five monkey movies, right? Uh, so having just watched it two weeks ago, I can say this, it does hold up relatively well as an enjoyable movie watching experience. It's a little cheesy in places um, and there's some questionable science because what they're doing is they're um, irradiating these chimps to see how long human pilots can it, deal yeah. with like, nuclear fallout if they have to attack Russia, a very cold war, you know, yeah, yeah. storyline. Um, but it actually has a really good cast. I mean, it's Matthew Broderick, Helen Hunt, a young Helen Hunt, uh, Gene Smart is in it, William Sadler is in it, uh, Stephen Lang is in it. It's, it's a really good movie, but wow. the, yeah, it's a great cast. Um, but the chimps in it are really impressive. What they have them all do, I mean, it is a lot. This is a real monkey movie, like no two ways about it. It's the most monkey movie movie on my list. Um, and they have them doing everything, smoking cigarettes and breaking out of things and like all, I mean, just really impressive on a technical level. And then, like I said, the emotions they see that you get out of these, these, these apes is really impressive. So it might not be the greatest film in the world, but I think if you watch it, as far as monkey movies go, I think it really kind of, impresses on that level um so I, I found it quite enjoyable again a little cheesy a little dated but like if you have a nostalgic soft spot for the 80s definitely go rewatch it if you have hbo max it's it's a pretty good little flick um again some implausible moments especially the ending um but but enjoyable very enjoyable especially because of the cast and and who's in it you know so that's my number two project x good stuff good stuff, good stuff. and uh, as mike mentioned it seemed a bit similar you know it could have been a sequel to ferris bueller's day off and if you want to know what we thought happened after the ending of ferris bueller's day off Go way, way back 
just to our audio podcast episode 28 is when we mm. discussed that one I'm early on yeah years back now yeah good stuff Okay, so that was your number two, was it? Yeah, so now okay. it's time for your number two. My number two is a film from 1978. It is Every Which Way But Loose, starring uh, Clint Eastwood as a tough uh, trucker who also does bare-knuckle fist fighting, and he's got, uh, I wouldn't say a pet, just seems to be a pal, uh, Clyde the Orangutan, uh, who travels around with them. And I remember watching this there was, when I was a kid. Might be one of the first. Probably one of the first Clint Eastwood films I saw, maybe. I'm trying to think. I would imagine how yeah. people our age it was because it was one yeah. of the few you could watch, right? That's true, yeah, true, yeah. And it's uh, but it's I just remember it being a lot of fun because I mean you got the fist fights, you got this, but you had this orangutan and sat in a, a pickup truck and Clyde right, and he just like punch a guy, things like that. I just I just it was fun because uh, it was it was such a bizarre thing as well. This tall, skinny Clint Eastwood, serious Clint Eastwood with with an orangutan. I mean. Whoever thought of it, I don't know what they were thinking, but they, it worked. And also because they came back and did a sequel, uh, any which way you can. But I just, yeah, I remember enjoying it. You had good fist fights, had a lot of humor in it. Uh, lots of character actors who I didn't know at the time, but saw in films following on from that and eventually got to know the names and things like that. Well, Beverly D'Angelo, she was in it as well, a few other people, but uh, just, yeah, a lot of fun. And Clyde did a great job. And I believe uh, I was reading about it. Clint Eastwood said uh, Clyde, I don't it wasn't called Clyde, played by uh, uh, Maris, I think it's pronounced. Maris, though, the orangutan said, was a great actor, but he said you had to get them on the first take, otherwise they got really bored and didn't want to do it again. So, <laughs> oh, that interesting. Well, that's, you know, never work with children and animals, right? Yeah, so, yeah that's it. Yeah. Uh, my number two. Good choice, good choice. Uh, it did not make my list, and here is why. Uh, Any Which Way About Loose is one of the quintessential, I've seen bits and pieces of it, never watched the whole movie the whole way through. Um, I would like to because I'm a big Clint Eastwood fan, especially his older stuff. Um, I, I've just never watched that whole movie. I definitely have seen parts of it. I know parts of it. Uh, you know, certain scenes I can picture in my head, just never, never watched it the whole way through. So it didn't make my list, unfortunately, but it probably would have made it, I, I think, pretty clearly if I had ever watched the whole movie. Understandable, totally understandable. There's lots of those films around at that time, which yeah, right, yeah. exactly. You saw All the right. trailers on the videos, and then you never actually yeah. see it yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, my number one then is, um, I guess there's could be your number one very easily. Could also not have even made your list very easily. I don't know which way it goes. It's I would say it's half a. It's not a monkey movie. No, it's not a monkey movie like Project X, but it definitely has a lot of monkey stuff in it. It is from 1995, and it is Outbreak. Starring Dustin Hoffman, Morgan Freeman, and Rene Russo, and directed by the great Wolfgang Peterson. Um, ultimately, it is a, I guess you call it a disaster movie in a way, right? It's, a, it's an outbreak movie. I mean, it is about a virus uh, that kills a lot of people in a very short time. That's stupid. Um, That's, what a ridiculous premise for a movie. <laughs> I know. It's so unrealistic. Um, but it's a thriller for sure. And it's terrific. And the reason it qualifies as a monkey movie is because there is this uh, monkey that's at the heart of the outbreak and it is um, it escapes, but it, it holds the key to the cure. So they're hunting the monkey for a big part of the movie. There's a bunch there's a bunch of key scenes that without the monkey, you don't have a resolution to the movie. Um, so and it's I mean, the monkey's on the poster. It's like a very famous you know, yeah, yeah. outbreak the logo with the monkey kind of like screaming. Like you use that a lot, like on the video and the commercials, the advertisements, like it's a big, um, it's a big part of the film. Uh, so it's not really about the monkeys, but I definitely, you, you can't have outbreak without, without monkeys in it. Um, so 
that which sounds weird, but it's a great film. It's a, again another one I watched recently. Um, I think I watched it last year. Ironic timing, I know, but you know, um, and uh, I think it holds up exceptionally well. I think it's a terrific film. It's very tense, very taut, a lot of good action, terrific cast. A uh, really enjoyable movie, and again, this monkey is kind of at the heart of it. So I think that qualifies. So that's my number one, Outbreak. An excellent choice didn't make my list, but uh, purely because I've not seen it in a long time. But I yeah. remember enjoying it. But uh, I think maybe though you mentioned it, it might have been better if they actually called the film "Hunting the Monkey." <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think it was it was on all the streaming service channels last yeah. year. Yeah. I think lots of, uh, unironically, it just happened to be. There was a big during the whole whole lockdown and everything that's been going on the past year. It seemed to be all the films dealing with viruses and things like that, like in Steven Soderbergh's Contagion, Contagion mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Suddenly, people were just watching them. I think it's this kind of it's a, it's a weird kind of synergy between it, what's been going on in the real world and the films. There, people seem to almost find comfort watching these films. So even though with what was going on in the world, but there was I know lots of them were like really. Highly viewed on the streaming services, but anyway, that's uh, Outbreak was your number one. My number one is a film, probably the polar opposite of Outbreak. Okay, it is the 1997's George of the Jungle. <laughs> okay, okay, all right, cool. I almost made my list, but I'll tell you after. Go ahead. But I, I always remember I've always enjoyed this. Basically, it's a spoof of Tarzan, but it's based on a series of cartoons starring mm -hmm. uh, Brandon Fraser back when he was, you know, buff Brandon Fraser. Yeah, uh, we watch the Mummy as well. Love that film as well. But George of the Jungle, I've always liked that. It's very funny. It's very stupid. It involves a man in a gorilla suit, voiced by John Cleese. But that's not the monkey I'm talking about. It is the the monkey, which is called Monkey, and it's played by Crystal, the Capuchin monkey, who's the same. Yep, monkey who's in Knife Museum also played Annie's boobs in Community. Uh, was in The Hangover Part Two and lots of other films. It's done actually twenty plus movies. Mm -hmm. monkey, and it's still alive as far as I could tell. But yeah, it's uh, the film isn't based, isn't focused on monkey, but as, as we saw with Tarzan, you can't have Tarzan without Cheetah and you can't have George without monkey. Right. And it's just, it's uh, as we saw with Night at the Museum, Crystal is very good at comedy, physical comedy. <laughs> and we get that in George of the Jungle, which is very funny anyway, but the Capuchin monkey really adds to it and really lifts the whole thing. And it's, I just, I like the film because it's stupid. It is, you know. George of the Jungle is one of those movies that I had very low expectations for. Yeah, same here. Um, same here. And I only watched it because it was like one of those nights with your friends where you'd seen everything else in the video store. So we were like, yeah, why not? It's got Brendan Fraser. Like, why not? And then I laughed my butt off the whole yeah. way through because like, it's a really funny movie. It is stupid, but it's very funny. And I, I was, I had it on my list, but I took it off because I haven't seen it in a long time. And I know that the, the gorilla character, Ape, was man in a suit and i couldn't remember how big monkey's part was in the film and i when i was reading the synopsis of it it's they didn't really mention monkey at all so i was worried that it was going to be like yeah but monkey's only in one scene so i didn't include it um but now i wish i had because that would have been a great choice because i definitely would have put it on my list that is a very fun movie so i'm glad yeah. it made your list so that people could hear about it yeah well, monkey isn't it's not like monkey doesn't make play a major point to, to the plot or anything it's just like a constant little companion yeah. in there do little bits and pieces Right. I just couldn't remember. I, I haven't seen it in probably 20 years. So that's, you know, it was one of those things, but it is a funny movie. So I'm glad, glad I made your list so it gets rest of some, some representation. Yeah. So that was George of the Jungle, 1997. Uh, yeah. Good, good film. There was a direct vid, uh, to video sequel, George of the Jungle 2. Don't yeah. watch it. It's dreadful. Yeah. <laughs> All right. There you go. 
Okay, good. So, so, so a good list, not too much overlap. That's nice. Um, and that is our top five monkey movies. So if you guys are in the mood for some monkey business, <laughs> but I'm uh, holding out not to do that the whole way through. Damn it. There are some films you can choose from. Oh, can uh, I just say a, a, some honorable mentions, which almost made my list. My Bedtime for Bonzo. Which one? Bedtime for Bonzo from 1951, starred Ronald Reagan. Oh, wow. I've heard of it. He was, he was a leader of the country. I can't remember which one. Yeah. Uh, and almost because it doesn't play a major part, didn't get in it, but Pirates of the Caribbean, Cur Curse uh, of the Black Girl. Yeah. Basically, because it's, it's a real monkey, but it's also a zombie monkey. Right, right. I also thought about putting Raiders of the Lost Ark on there, right? Yeah, me too, the first but half no. of the film, that monkey plays a pretty big role. Um, but yeah. that felt like a little bit of a cheat. And really, like, I mean, do I need to add Raiders on another list? I'm sure I'm, I've told, we've talked about Indiana Jones plenty of times. He doesn't need the representation. So. Almost almost made my list, but yeah, I was thinking, well, it's a big plot point, but only a few scenes. Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. So there you go. That's our top five monkey movies. Let's move on then to our ATE recommends, wherein Phil and I share what we're digging on right now. What are we enjoying right now? And it could be anything. It can be books or movies or music or food or comics or you name it. It can be anything we want. So... Let's see what we got. Uh, Phil, uh, you want to go ahead and, and kick us off? Tell us what yeah, you're I've got two things. The first one is uh, a film which I watched uh, yesterday. I actually just watched the last, yeah, yesterday. Uh, it's from 2020. I don't have a physical copy of it, so I can't show it to you. I don't think it's on physical at the minute, but it came out last year. It's a horror movie, which is on Disney Plus in the star section, so it's okay. But it's uh, The Empty Man, directed by David Pryor. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Which I'd, I'd heard when the trailer came out last year, and I remember posting it on Live for Films, I was like, I was watching it going, oh, it looked okay, but it just seemed like a generic kind of yeah. scene thing. It's where there's, you know, an urban legend where you do one thing and then they say, this will happen, then this will happen. Uh, like the Bye Bye Man kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. Yeah. But, uh, I watched it and it's just, it blew me away. I'd heard people, it seemed to be building up like word of mouth as the months have gone by. But it's just absolutely brilliant the way it's shot by it's directed by David Pryor, who I think had I think he worked with David Fincher on some of his films and maybe he got some notes from David Fincher. So it's got some of the there's some scenes in the rain which are very reminiscent of seven. There's lots right. of great cinematography, some great the way the shots are done and the way the camera moves are just fantastic because the camera's doing moving sometimes when it shouldn't be, which just adds to the weirdness of it all and people walk into shots when you're not expecting it Ooh. but it's uh it's even got like the first 25 minutes is this cold open sh showing how things get started and then it moves on but it's just absolutely brilliant i don't want to go into too many details but it's almost like three films in one you've got the the cold open you've got a guy played by james badge dale who's oh, yeah. trying to find this missing girl and as he goes on it gets weirder and then the last 30, 40 minutes, like this weird total messing with your head kind of thing. But it's I watched it, and then I, if I had the time, I would have watched it straight away again because wow. there's bits where you're going, oh, well, this is that true what they said? And there's lots of callbacks as it's going on. You see pictures on the wall which relate to other stuff, and there's a few jump scares in it which aren't thrown in there just for the hell of it, but which make you generally go, <gasps> there's a bit with a teddy bear which doesn't do anything. And then I suddenly just went, oh, my God, that's so scary. And... <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it really, it's very creepy. The soundtrack is really un unnerving as well. It uses lots of Mongolian throat music and just weird sounds, and the sounds are blowing into a bottle. Because you're meant to be, if you go on a bridge and you blow into a bottle, sound and think of the empty man. He'll, uh, on the first night, you'll hear him. Second night, you'll see him. On the third night, he'll find you. Wow. 
That's my first recommendation. I've heard of that, but I haven't watched it. But now I'm definitely going to watch it because it sounds really cool. Also, though, Phil, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I believe you are um, a little bit famous for your throat singing impression, if I recall correctly. Uh, Aren't I? Am I I misremembering that? Don't you do a throat sing? Uh, I did did before. I have not got enough lubrication. For okay. All right. I will teach you a spot for that. That's all right. Uh, no, because it really hurts. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But uh, my second one is uh, is the book. It is a book. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, written by Quentin Tarantino, who did a film of the same name, which Mike didn't enjoy. I did not. I thought the film was brilliant. I think the book might be slightly better because it's uh, – I do. Often you get the the book. You know, the books are written by somebody else, but this is written by Quentin himself. And what's good is it isn't a, it isn't a just it isn't just the film written down. Obviously, a lot of it is, but it's things are moved around, scenes happen in different places with different people. But the best thing is we get to, uh, you know, we go into the minds of 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 the characters. We get to hear what they're thinking. We see how just insecure Leonardo DiCaprio's character truly was, even though you get that anyway. We find out what actually happened to Brad Pitt's wife, uh, and because that's only sort of touched on, but you actually find out the big thing that happens at the end of the film happens a lot earlier in the book and mm-hmm. is only is only barely touched upon. We get to find out a little bit of what happens after the film. Uh, we, it's just you also uh, you'll probably end up making lists of films you want to watch because Quentin Tarantino, uh, Clint Cliff Cliff's character, that's it, Brad Pitt's character called Cliff. He's a big movie buff as well, but he likes films from all over the world. And it's talking about the different films he likes to watch and the reasons why he likes them. And just, I was there going, well, I need to watch this film now. Oh, that actor sounds good. I'll need to do this. So you get the history of Hollywood as well, which is touched on in the film, but you get it a lot done a lot more. I also like the fact when uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, whose name escapes me at the minute. Oh, yeah, I'll try the front. Yeah, Mick Dalton, when he's filming the uh, the episode of the Western he's in, which mm-hmm. I really like in the film as well. Uh, Tarantino writes it where suddenly he's just you de- he's describing the characters of the film doing it, so it's like you're suddenly in a, a Western novel. Mm-hmm. And at times I was going, oh no, don't stop! I just want to keep reading on what's going on with that. It's brilliant. I want Quentin Tarantino to write some Western novels now. Right, Actually, right. To write some more books. I'd love him to do it for every film he's ever done, because the way it's done, it changes it. It's not just a straight copy. It adds to the film, changes things around, and there's a chance, Mike, you might actually enjoy it a lot more than the film just because it's the way it's... Well, yeah, probably because it probably doesn't have 27 minutes of Brad Pitt driving in it. Yeah, it talks about him liking going for a big drive and stuff, but it obviously doesn't... It's only about 70 pages where it's just describing the drive. No, Is there there like a 12-page stretch where it just says, drives, and then drive some more, and then drive some more? It's just like 10 pages of that. Yeah, no, 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 that's not, but it's uh, it's it's really good. It probably because I think it might just work better as a novel anyway. The story itself, because I love the film, but even the story is quite slight. It's just following some people going through life and all that kind of stuff. But it's just really, I just uh, I read it over two days as well. It just mm-hmm. uh, page turner, but I highly recommend that. It's published by W and N Fiction, available from all good bookshops. So go and go and support your local bookshop. I have seen a lot of people posting about it on my on my social feed, so I have been curious about it. So I'm glad to hear a little bit more about it. And maybe I will check it out because I do like Quentin Tarantino quite a bit. I'm a big fan of his overall. So maybe I'll get a better experience with the book than I did with the movie. Yeah, well, yeah and I got the paperback. Uh, I believe the hardback, or you can get a limited edition one, which has some other extra bits in, I think pictures mm-hmm. and stuff, or maybe even, I don't think it's more chapters, it might, but it might even be like some 
just some more bits written about the characters and things like that. Right. Very good. All right. Good recommendations. Uh, so my recommendation, I have sort of one, but kind of two. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm like you, I don't have a physical product for it because it's not out physical. But what I did was I thought I'll pull up a picture of it on my phone so I can show oh. you. And it is the yeah. Fear Street movies on Netflix that are on right now. So for those of you who haven't heard or if you don't really know what the deal with them is, what's really neat is Netflix created this trilogy of horror movies called Fear Street. Uh, Fear Street 1996, Fear Street 1978, and Fear Street 60, 1666. And they're releasing them one week apart. So uh, two Fridays ago was Fear Street 1996. Last Friday was Fear Street 1978. And then this coming Friday, when we're recording this, some of you may be hearing this after the fact, but when we're recording live, it hasn't come out yet. This coming Friday will be 1666. And it's a trilogy of, uh, and each one is kind of made to sort of mimic or pay homage to the genre it is or the time period it's in right so the first one from 1996 was very much in like your kind of scream fashion with some of your snarky characters and some kind of you know um sharp dialogue and stuff like that the 1978 one takes place at a summer camp sort of a slight your classic friday the 13th slasher flick and then the 1666 one i think i imagine is going to be a lot more of like your kind of very much more recent films like your 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 the witch uh, you know, Midsummer, those types of movies, um, which I'm not a fan of those, but I don't think it's going to go quite that far, but it's kind of that, you know, puritanical witch type of setting. Um, but there's a common through line that goes through them. The first movie kind of ends a little bit on a cliffhanger, which then leads into the second movie, even though it takes place 20 years before. And it's neat the way they tie it all together. Um, and I've been really enjoying them. They're not the greatest horror movies ever, um, but they are quite fun. They sort of deal with this witch that's kind of cast a curse on this town of shady side shady vale shady side something like that um and that leads to the events in these other movies um the, mostly unknowns in the cast a few recognizable faces like sadie sink from uh, stranger things she plays max on stranger things and a few other people mostly unknowns though um but they're really fun they're enjoyable they, they really do a nice job of sort of of you know kind of capturing the feel of the genres they are tackling uh, and i like the way they structured it by putting one out each week you know it gives you a little time to watch it get excited for the next one but i'm not waiting two years for a sequel um they're not that great but they're a good easy kind of you know 90 minute hour and 40 minute watch quick horror films they're not too gory um they're not too scary you know you can watch it by yourself on the couch late at night without getting all freaked out but they're fun they got some good jumps a couple good kills things like that um kind of everything i think uh, just a, a your general horror lovers would enjoy so kudos to netflix i think they did a really good job of the way they they've marketed it and created it um but the films themselves are enjoyable i'm looking forward to this friday watching the last chapter of the trilogy and seeing how it all wraps up so fear street on netflix that's my recommendation this week. Oh, excellent! Yeah, because I've I've not seen them yet, but I've when it first came out, I was sort of going, oh, well, wasn't quite. I was kind of interested, but uh, yeah. people on the timeline on social media been talking about it. Mm -hmm. A few people saying as well, saying like you saying they're not the best horror films in the world, but the fact they're part of a trilogy seems to just add to it as well. Yeah, they definitely work better, I think, as the whole. Like, I think I like the second one better than the first one um, because of, well, a bunch of reasons. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're like I said, they're not the greatest movies ever, but they're good, like, B-plus horror movies. Yeah. You know, they're very enjoyable. They're easy to watch. You know, they're not going to be like, oh, they're not at the level of, like, Halloween or Scream or something that's that, you know, truly epic. Uh, but they're just really fun, and they're they're easy to just kind of throw them on and watch them. If you like horror, I think you'll enjoy them. So, yeah, definitely worth checking out. Cool, yeah, I'll definitely give them a watch, yeah. Yeah, awesome. All right, so 
that then is going to bring us to the end of the episode. These things go by so fast. Yeah, that's um, all she wrote, folks. Yeah, that's it. So you you heard our top five monkey movies. You got some recommendations. This should give you plenty of stuff to keep you busy uh, during these summer months. So uh, with that, we will be back maybe next time. Uh, well, we'll be back for sure. Uh, I know we took an extra week off because Phil was gone. I'm going to be going away in a couple of weeks for, for vacation as well. Um, so we'll be back. I don't know exactly when, but when we figure it out, we'll post it on social media for you guys and, and let you know. Um, but in the meantime, you'll have these episodes to, to keep you warm at night. Um, or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> uh, all right. Great. So as always, we thank you guys for watching and listening. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And we'll see you next time. After the ending.